You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God, as you seated, open your Bible once again to the third letter of John. Third John. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Say that God is, God's desire is that I prosper in every area of my life. Spirit, soul, body, your relationships and finances. God wants you to experience His best. I want you to renew your mind to that. I know many of us have already done that and we believe it with our heads. It's got to become a spirit knowledge within you that that you'll fight to make sure no one takes that from you. Because the enemy would try and steal that. He's going to try and take from you what God has ordained for you to walk in. Family, everything that God ever created was for you, for us as mankind. God didn't need this earth. He didn't need everything that's in it. He placed everything in it. The devil has never created anything. He's perverted. He's abused. He's destroyed it. He'll use it for the wrong outcome, the wrong motives. But anything that's ever created was created by God for the intention of the human to enjoy, his son and his daughter. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And so don't allow the enemy to steal anything from you. This whole idea that, you know, maybe God will leave the sickness on me to teach me a lesson. You know, when I say, well, then why don't you learn quicker? And then you can get rid of the thing. How long, how much longer must you learn? No. God doesn't use sickness and disease to teach His church. He doesn't use poverty to teach His church. He doesn't use the curse to teach His church. He said He sent the Holy Spirit to teach His church. Now what He said? The church is taught by the Holy Spirit. And so He's teaching us how to live life above what the enemies try to do. And so we're going to fight sickness and disease, resist poverty. We're going to destroy anything that the enemy tries to bring against us and prosper in every area of our lives. Say that I am ready to prosper in every area of my life. In all things. Hallelujah. And he says to be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, if you haven't heard it yet, your soul is not your spirit. We are spirit beings created in the image of God. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate spirit from soul. The soul is your mind, the will, your intellect, the reasoning part of you, the thinking. That's you who has a soul. Say that I am spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. So when we talk about the soul realm, we talk about the mind, your will. So God can never take you where you don't want to go. God will never take you to something you don't believe in. 
You can't believe in something if you don't know it even exists. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so we can blame the enemy for a lot of things. And yes, sure enough, he's out there and he's trying to distract us. And he'll use every method possible. The Bible says when the Word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal that Word. He'll use tribulation. He'll use persecution. He'll make sure that we're distracted with the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things. These are all tools. But their success is not dependent on the devil because the Word tells us no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And you've been given the shield of faith to quench every fiery dart. So the fact that they exist doesn't mean they're going to succeed. So the success of it is not determined by the enemy. He's the one that develops these attacks. But whether they work or not is up to you or me. Didn't he say, submit to God, resist the devil, and he, he will flee. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in, in heaven. So the authority lies in your hands, in your mouth. And so my mind will limit me, not the devil. The devil's not the one limiting us. He'll create scenarios that'll get my mind to think that God's not able to do this. But if I can renew my mind to believe that God, with God, all things are possible and really believe that He wants me to be somewhere and trust Him to get there, even if it takes 40 years, He'll get me into that place. Because those two, Joshua and Caleb, that said, we are well able to do this, they did get it. Amen. So it's that concept of saying, if God is able to do it, I will trust Him. So now... We need to remove the ceiling. We need to remove this boundary, this limitation. I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Why? Because remember Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We say this, I am a product of what I think. It's the truth. The word says so. So now we found out in Matthew 12, verse 33, Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. And then come down to verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. So he's saying we need to change that tree from within. Now, this is already part six. So you understand uh, we've been through quite a lot of study. So if this is your first time, please go on to our podcasts and make sure you catch up because we've been talking about this concept of a tree. And Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. So when you see something manifesting in your life, that is a product. Whatever's coming out, when I, when I say the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If it comes out of my mouth, that means it's down there in my heart. We can gauge what we believe by how we're speaking. And then also what manifests in our lives, things that happen, things that, uh, that, that we are seeing as products in our life, that's all fruit. Whatever comes into your life is a harvest off of a seed. And so that seed, between the seed and the harvest is the production house, the tree. So the tree is determined by the seed. Orange seeds produce orange trees. Apple seeds produce apple trees. 
And then that tree grows up and that apple tree is going to give us whatever fruit you want. No, it gives you the apples you planted for. The seed that went in produced the tree. So you will know them by their fruit. So if I don't like the fruit that's in my life and I want to see a better fruit that God has ordained, he, that's the reason he gives us the word, is so he can identify his will and desire for you. Then with that, he embeds in that promise the word of God. Jesus said the word of God is seed. So the, by receiving that word that produces the seed in the soil of your heart to produce the tree that's going to produce the fruit that you read in the Word of God. Now, if we have the wrong trees in place, then that'll keep getting in the way of what God wants to do. And that's why it's important when Jesus said, whatever tree my father's not planted, he will remove, but that's up to you and me to remove those trees. And so we found out that we are the ones that have to be speaking to that tree. Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. Now underline, you can say, you can say. You can. You can. Say, that's me. Bump your name and say, look at that. That's talking about me right there in the book. So now we've learned already that, that the, the, the mulberry tree is the sycamine tree. Sycamine is the tree that's producing the wrong fruit, a very bitter fruit. But he says, you can remove what seems impossible because this tree is known to have a very deep root system. And some of what we believe and some of the things that are happening in our lives is a result of years and years and years and years of deep roots. That's why it's very difficult to change overnight. And this is something to remember, particularly if you're working on it, let's say in a marriage with a spouse, whatever, and then you make a decision, you know what, from today on, we're going to do it this way. Then tomorrow it doesn't happen. You say, but I thought you said you're going to change. No, now you realize sometimes it can take time. But what we need to do is begin working at the root. And the way you work at the root, he says, yeah, you speak to that tree. And you tell it to be removed. I don't want that in my life. And so that's what I'm going to start saying. So now... When we say we're removing the old tree, we want to get the right tree into our lives. How do we do that? How do we make sure we get the right tree down deep, as deep as the roots that we've had in the wrong tree? We want the right tree in there. How does this happen? Come with me to Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. Verse 29. Jacob said to him, speaking to Laban, you know I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. Now, you remember what happened with Jacob and Laban. Uh, Jacob fell in love with Rachel and wanted her as his wife. And then Laban managed to deceive him by giving him his eldest daughter, Leah. He had to work seven years for her. And then when he saw he had Leah, he still wanted Rachel. So the, Laban said, then you work another seven years. 
So basically, he worked all those years just for his two wives, no other income, and then kept working for him. And now he's saying, now I should be getting a wage. And so he's now approached Laban and says, look, we need to deal, we need to get some kind of wage system here. I need to be paid for what I'm doing. In verse 30, what you have before I came was little, and it's increased to a great amount. Now, what is that? That's the blessing at work. Wherever you are is blessed. I said, wherever you are is blessed. You need to be confident in that and believe that. Amen. And now, when, when shall I also provide for my own house? So Laban said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, don't give me anything. Let's do this. I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. And so my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that's not speckled or spotted among the goats or brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it's with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. What's he saying? That's a bargain. Now, why is he saying that? Because most of the lambs are white. So you want the occasional brown lamb that comes out? That's a deal, man. And the goats, all the spotted and speckled, uh, that's very rare. Hardly ever happens. But if it happens, cool, you'll have it. And it seemed, Laban really thought he was signing a good deal here. And this is going to be a cheap labor, this one. And so verse 35, so he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now, Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, and he peeled white strips in them, and he exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, the, the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink and that they would conceive when they came to drink. And so the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. And so Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the streaked and all the brown of the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived, Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of those strong livestock that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, the weak ones, he did not put them in. So the feebles were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. And thus Jacob became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. So you get the picture. And he'd taken some branches and cut some spots and speckles and streaks. And every time the strong that he wanted, that's good stock 
And he would put that in the water. And when they drank from the water, these animals were seeing streaked, speckled and spot in the water. That was set in front of their eyes. And the result of that is they produced streaked, spotted and speckled animals. And so when, like you saw there, the weaker flock come along, that's a, well, that's a very bad strain over there. Then he would just take the branch out and they can be white. Nice white. Laban can keep that one. And he used the concept of vision to produce the harvest. Now have a look at Genesis chapter 31. Where did he get this idea? Verse 1. Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. Now he didn't take anything. It was a deal that he made with Laban and Laban agreed to it. But it worked out in Jacob's favor. And from what was our father's, he's acquired all this wealth. Everybody say wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban and indeed it was not favorable towards him as before. And the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you. And so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field of his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know with all my might I have served your father. What's he telling them? Your brothers are accusing me of wrong things. Your father thinks I cheated him. But you know I, whatever we agreed on was agreed to. Amen. I did this legally. And he says, your father deceived me. And he changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. Amen. Praise God. Family, get a hold of that truth. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yeah, but you don't know my boss. It doesn't matter what your boss thinks, tries or decides to do. If God's with you, who can be against you? Shout a bigger amen. Stop looking at people as your problem. Stop thinking it's the neighbor's fault. Stop thinking it's the boss's fault. Stop thinking it's the government's fault. Stop thinking it's that person's fault. My spouse, that other person. Come on. Hello. I know it's not nice. I prefer everybody to like me and to be happy with me. I prefer no one's trying to hurt me. Uh, obviously. It's not nice to have to fight all the time. But it's a good fight. It's a fight of faith. Why? Because I'm not going to fight back in the flesh. That's where the enemy gets us to fall. Is the moment I decide I'm, I'm going to fight them, I'm going to destroy them, I'm going to hurt them, and, and they're trying to hurt me, let me hurt them back and moan and complain to everybody else. And this person, you know what they said and you know what they did. Then you wheel spinning in that mud and you'll never get out of it. We have to make a choice. If God's for me, I don't care if the entire world turns around me, I'm going to stay focused on God. Amen. And yeah, Laban tried to cheat him ten times. How many of us would have left the company after two? But he had a plan. He knew how to deal with it. So Laban cheated him how many times? Ten times. He said, the speckled shall be your wages. And so all the flocks bore speckled. And so then he said, okay, we'll change it. The streaked will be your wages. And so what happened? 
all the flocks bore streaked. And so God took away the livestock of your father and gave it to me. So he had, he had a whole arsenal of branches. He had branches with speckles on it. He had branches with stripes on it. He had clear branches. And whenever Laban said, your wages, says, okay, I've got a branch for that one. And he'd put it in the water. And they would produce. And Laban goes, uh-uh, okay, speckle. Oh, I can do that as well. There we go. Not a problem, speckle. See, family, when you're listening to God, watch this. This is, this is how he worked. Now, have a look here. Verse 10, and it happened at the time when the flocks conceived, I lifted my eyes and I saw in a dream. Everybody say he saw in a dream. And when he saw it in a dream, behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. And the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am. He said, lift up your eyes now and see all the rams and the leap on the flocks. Uh, which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have given all that Laban, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. Now what vow is he talking about here? Now have a look at Genesis 28 verse 18. This is Jacob on his way. Towards Laban, he said, he rose in the morning, he took a stone that he put on his head. He had just had a dream of angels going up and down ladders, had that wrestling with God. And then he set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the city had been lost previously. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, keep me in this way that I'm going. Give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. And the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. He made a vow. He said, God, you my God. Now that means you're going to look after me. That means everything that I get is because you're my God. And I'm going to honor that by giving you the tithe, 10% of all. Family, that got God's attention. Because you remember, he didn't have the law telling him that. It was something he saw his father do and his grandfather do. And he said, if that's the principle, I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to trust God here. And God said, on that basis, I will look after you. And so when Laban had this idea of cheating Jacob, God, on the basis of that vow, remember the promise is I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. He says, I know exactly how to fix this for you. And he gives him a vision of the street, the speckled. So in that vision, and Jacob takes that and he translates it into a written vision. He puts it into a tangible form so that what you see will change what happens. Now, we've had a look at this in detail over the weeks that we understand that different things have influenced the way we are today. It's people that speak into our lives, mentors, situations that happen, experiences that we go through. It's things, in other words, what you see changes 
how you see things. It changes how you believe things. And at the end of the day, what you see and what you believe changes you. Now, it is a very powerful truth. And this is something you've got to get a hold of. And I don't care what people say. You know, they talk about new age thinking and all these other things. Remember, the devil is a counterfeit. He will try and hijack what God has given us so that we become too afraid to use it. But how do you know an imagination was not given to you by the devil? It was given to you by God. How many of you can imagine something? You, you can think of something, right? Now, that wasn't given to you by the devil. It is a tool given to you by God. And a dream, if you think about how powerful a dream, a dream is nothing more than an imagination happening while you're sleeping. Isn't that right? The dream's not real. But how many of you have ever woken from a dream and it was as real to you as if though it had actually happened? I remember when I was a kid, I dream, I, there was something I was wanting and you know, my parents weren't able to get it to me financially, whatever. And for, somehow I dreamt one day and it was so real that at the back of my shelf, someone had left some, a bag of money and there was enough more than I could ever imagine. I was rich, man. Yes. And, and I woke up the next morning and I went to that shelf, not even wondering, I wonder if it's there. No, it's there. It's like, who took my bag? Where, where's my money gone? But it was so real to me that I had to think, well, hang on a And then I realized, no, it was a dream. But it was so realistic to me at the time because that dream wasn't just a dream. It wasn't like I woke up and thought I had a good dream. It was, it had happened. Yeah. Come on, have you ever had something like that happen to you? Have you ever woken from a dream uh, where you've been chased or, or something's happening? I mean, you know, and you wake up and what's happening? Your heart's beating faster. Your palms are sweating. That's the power of imagination. You know, as, you, as I've told you many times before, I train CrossFit. And then we have a competition once a year. It's coming up now again. It's called the Open. And so what they do is over three weeks, they announce uh, an announcement. And then it's worldwide. And you do your exercise at, at your box, at your gym. And then you log your score on the worldwide leaderboard and you can see, you know, the whole idea is to qualify for regionals and then whoever qualifies for that will go through to the finals. And, you know, it's like a million dollar prize. So it's finding the fittest in the world, basically what they say. So I, I like to be a part of that and you see where you are from the previous year. But the reason I'm saying this is what they do is they, they release the workout like about two or three in the morning, our time. And then we're going to do the workout Friday night. I open that thing. It's like I can't sleep that night. I've, I've had to, I've got to train Because you've got to be well rested to do the workout. So now you're resting. Do I read or don't I? So sometimes I think, okay, I'll just sneak and then I'll go back to sleep. Uh-uh. Once you read it, now all of a sudden you're lying in bed and you're doing the workout. You're trying to figure out your strategy. Okay, I must go faster here, slower here. I must pace it over there. And before I know it, my hands are actually sweating. My body is sweating. My, my heartbeat's gone up. But I'm lying in bed. I haven't done a single, I haven't even done a warm-up. I'm, I'm just thinking about it and I start sweating. 
Why? Because my mind doesn't know the difference. This is what I'm trying to get across to you. Your mind doesn't know, is that real or isn't it? If you're thinking it, it must be real. So you can take that powerful truth, that reality, and you can create your own dream. If you can think it, your body will begin to believe that you are capable of that, that you can do that, and your whole world around you, your movements, what you say, what you think, will begin to align with that dream, and it'll start to create situations. You'll say the right thing at the right moment to the right person. You won't short-circuit it by saying the wrong thing, and all of that, God uses that to direct you in the direction of what you're dreaming, of what you're thinking. So, how do you recreate a dream? How do you create that thinking? How do you create that dream? Joshua chapter 1. Remember Moses had been leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And as a result of misrepresenting God, God said to him, you will see the land, but you will not lead the people into it. And then he chose Joshua to be Moses' successor. And just before they're about to go into the promised land, Moses passes away and Joshua takes up the mantle. You can imagine following after someone like Moses, powerful man who stared down the most powerful political leader of the world, Pharaoh, and delivered Israel and just opened a Red Sea that you walk through on dry land, would visit with God on the fire of the mountain. This is an extremely powerful man. And now God's asking Joshua, you take over. And you can imagine him feeling insignificant because, I mean, follow Moses. And God says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. What I said to Moses, I'm going to do the same with you. He says, but yeah, I'm going to prepare you how to do this. And he says, verse 8, this book of the law, everybody say the word of God, shall not depart from your, you're going to have to be speaking what I say. I'm telling you what I'm going to do, but you're the one that needs to declare it. And listen to this, meditate in it, how often? Day and night, why? To observe, to do according to all that is written in it. Now listen to this. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. How many of us here want good success? Now let me ask you, how's it going to happen? You're going to make it. The amens were slow there. Let me see again. How many of you want to be prosperous? Who's going to make it? You're going to make it. You're not waiting for your boss to give you another increase. You're not waiting for that handout. You're not waiting for that miracle money to arrive in your post box. You're not even waiting for the lottery. I'll just let that hang there a while. 
You make your way prosperous. You're not even waiting on God. Now that went over very quietly. Because everybody, God, when you're going to, God, when you're going to, he says, Have I given you seed? Have I given you soil? Have I given you water? You got everything you need to produce your crop. Isn't that right? You make your way prosperous. Imagine a farmer is a barn full of seed, big field outside, water tank full of water, and he's lying in bed. God, when's my harvest going to come in? Oh God, please send me my harvest. God, God, I'm believing my harvest. I gave you seed. Thank you. I got my seed. Hallelujah. Thank you. But no, farmer, you want land? You want harvest? Get up. Get your seed, go work your land, plow it, plant the seed, water it, feed it, water it, weed it, work it, work your land, keep the fowl off it, keep the devourers off it, you work it, you work it. Oh God, the, the birds are eating my flocks again, eating my seed again. No, you've got to get rid of the seed. You've got to get rid of those birds. Hello, you work it, you work it. You've got to do and go in the right direction. But I won't know which direction to go into until I hear the word on the issue. Once I have the word on it and I take God's word and it says now to get yourself moving in that direction, you need to meditate it day and night. Let me ask you, how have you made a decision on something? You say, you know what, from now on, I'm going to do this. And then you, you decided in a conversation with somebody or whatever, and then maybe a week goes past, a month goes past, and then in a conversation it goes, oh, yes, I, I, I was going to change that. How have you ever been through that? Now what happened? It wasn't an inner part of you. You wanted to do it, but then it slipped your mind. How are you going to change that? You have to take that word that you want and start to cut some branches. Write it down. The word says, write the vision down. Make it plain. Get yourself, that, that car that you're trusting God for, get pictures of it and put it up where you can see it. That house that you want to live in, get photographs of it. That house, if you want to build it, before we built a house, Janine had scrapbooks, man like, Piles of all the tick stickers in it and labels in it. That, that house was built in her mind long before we put the first spade in. Why? Because she, she, she got the vision. When you walk in the house, you see how beautiful it is. It wasn't that, didn't that happen? She said, this is what I want. I want that. I want my dining room to look like this. I want my kitchen to look like this. I want that. And she had the pictures in front of her all the time. It's developing. What are you doing? You're meditating. What is it that you're believing God for? You see yourself in a certain position, then start gearing it up. Get the suit that, that you're going to wear when you go there. Get the, the, the name tag. Get the briefcase. Get the, get, so when they say the job's yours, you just, I'm there. I don't have to go find a suit now. You, want, you need to start tomorrow. Good. I'm equipped. See, it's that meditation. Meditate day and night. Put stickers up. 
put anything you can that's going to remind you all the time of what you see. It's time to eliminate the things that are slowing it down. If something's broken, fix it. If something's unstuck, stick it back. If something can't be used anymore, get it out the house. Get, get rid of everything that's causing the wheel spinning to happen. Family of God, it's setting vision. It's setting vision, meditation. What are you doing? You are literally causing the dream to happen within you. You cannot. You, you, you show that scripture of what Jacob did to a biologist, he'll say, that's nonsense, fairy tales. You can't explain it scientifically. I don't have to. All I know is God said, to, to, he told Jacob, this is how you're going to do it. And Jacob made a decision to believe God. Why? Because even if a goat and a sheep looks at something, it becomes what it sees. So what are you looking at? What is it that you're looking at? I don't care what neighborhood you're living in. When you walk out, you see the, the neighborhood and you think, oh, this is, no, it's not me. I don't, this is not what I want to be. Then fix your front yard. Let your house reflect what you want to be. So that when you look out your window, you see in your specter exactly what, needs, what, what you believe in God for. Amen. Amen. You're believing for a really nice car, but the one you have is broken, the wire's holding the bumper up and the, you know, whatever. Get out some nice polish. Polish even the rust. But clean it up. Polish it like this is a top-end vehicle, man. What's happening? You're setting the right vision in front of you. Meditate day and night. See yourself where you need to be. Imagine it. Make sure you focused on it. And what happens? You will make your way prosperous. Meditation is the way to transform your thinking. To line up with the will of God. Remember the words said in Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By renewing your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Lift your hand and say, the way I walk in God's perfect plan for my life is to renew my mind to think that way. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are Noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, what must we do? Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. See, family... Have you noticed how some people are just, whenever they open their mouth, it's with a complaint? Why is that? Because that's all they're thinking about. Thinking about this person and what that person did and what this one didn't do and what that one didn't do. And so that's the way they live. Why? Because that's what they're meditating on all the time. So 
any one of us have got things to complain about. Isn't that right? But complaining about it never fixed it. Have you noticed that? Just gets you more frustrated. No, if I want to see something change, what am I going to do? I choose the things that are in that list. What is the good? I look for the good, with the, the nice, the praiseworthy, the, the things that are going to develop a good, solid future. And that's what you're meditating on. You're thinking about that. When I think of you, when I think of someone that I know is called to a certain position in leadership, I'm focusing on all the good of them. I see all the good that's going to happen. I see their potential. When I look at you, I don't see the broken. My eyes may see something, but I'm going to look inside and I see the person God created you to be. The full potential, what you can be and who God's called you to be. And so that's what I'm meditating on, thinking on that. I'm meditating, thinking on the growth energy. Sometimes with pastors, you may find someday, uh, you know, where's everybody? The service is empty. That doesn't bother me because even, you know, even when it's the, the sun, you've got rain, winter, you know, winter, summer. You've got seed harvest. There's, there's ebb and flow. The tides come in and they go out. So anything, if it's, it's winter, hang in there, summer's coming. I'm always, I'm looking, Jesus is building his church. It's, it's the only organization he promised to build was the church. Not even our companies, not even our businesses. Come on. He said he will build his church. So what am I focused on? The church. Because if I'm building with him and build the church, he'll build my business. My, my, my business, well, I'm going to rephrase it because I just said he's not building it. He's building the church. But if you do that, the fruit of it is a growing business. The fruit of it is an increased harvest. Why? Because you're focusing on what he's focused on. Family of God, I really want to encourage us. Begin to think positively. Speak positively. See the positive. Meditate on that list. What is praiseworthy? What's just? What is right? What's correct? And start seeing it. See yourself prosperous. See yourself healthy. Even if something's hurting, hang on, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. And then do something you couldn't do before with that same thing. Like if you couldn't step on a leg, then step on it and say, there you go, it's healed. And even though it hurt, you said, praise God, it's getting better. I'm well and healthy in Jesus' name. Are you with me? What are you doing? You're meditating. You're forcing that dream to happen. And talking about nightmares and that, I learned to take authority there as well. I've sometimes had dreams. I remember when I first got saved, like any of us, how many of you, really, how many of you thought you didn't have control of your dreams? We all, we, I mean, you, you can't blame someone. It's like, you know, when, when a person wakes up and then the wife says, who's Mary? <laughs> what do you mean, who's Mary? You were saying Mary in your dream. Uh, you're going to blame me for something while I'm asleep? <laughs> Are you with me? So, you know, you think, I'm sleeping, what, I've got no control of it. And I don't know about you, but there were times when I woke up and I thought, I'm a Christian and I dreamed that. Come on, how many of you are willing to admit that? Let me see the, all the honest people here. Think, oh man, I'm supposed to be real. How did that even happen? And I realized the enemy can use that same thought life. Put, he, that, that, that's coming from the devil, putting those wrong things in our heads. So I learned, I said, if the Lord says he gives me sleep, it's a gift, and he called it a sweet sleep. Then I'm going to take authority over this dream machine. 
And I say, Satan, this is not yours to use anymore. I bind you from interfering with my dreams ever again. And I cancel it in the name of Jesus. Family, I can't tell you when last I had a nightmare. It just doesn't happen anymore. Those dreams that I didn't want to dream, they're gone. I don't dream those anymore. What do I do now? Before I go to sleep, I take the word, I meditate on that. I feed that in. And I'm putting the right seed in. And I meditate on where we're going as a, in our marriage, as a, as a ministry. I meditate on where I want to be, where I see my children, my finances, my business, everything. Well, I meditate on those things. And I give God glory and honor. I said, now, Father, I roll that on you. I'm checking out. You never sleep nor slumber. And so I know you got this. And then you start dreaming and you get the ideas and, and you wake up and you've got a, a fresh plan from God. And I've, I've learned now, I have my, my pad right there so that as soon as something happens, I can record it on a write down. Because sometimes you get a great idea and then you wake up in the morning and what was that? That was going to make me a millionaire and I can't remember it now. <laughs> no, no, you need to write it down. Write it down so that you can then start generating that vision board. Hallelujah.